Hello, Ambush, and thank you for tuning into this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast here with me, your host, Colton G. And today on the show, we are being joined by a legend. That's right, Chin and Jetty is joining us to talk about his acoustic version of his song, Falling. Yes, that is right, Chin and Jetty, the legendary producer, songwriter, and musician, joins us here today to not only take us behind this emotional acoustic version of his powerful track, Falling, but we're going to be taking a look behind the music of Chin and Jetty, yes. His releases, his albums leading up to this moment, some of the path that he has traveled. We're going to talk about his musical progression as he has learned the art of expression as opposed to impression. We're going to talk to him about the power of family, his parents, the sacrifices they have had to make and how they have driven his progression. We're gonna talk to Chin about being a father as well. Chin also happens to work with a lot of younger artists, is a teacher, is a mentor, continuing to help other artists express themselves, to help them help the world heal through music. What was it like for Chin to win a Grammy? Not only for him, but what did it mean for his parents? And of course, what does the future hold for this wonderful human being with a huge heart? Life, love, and music, all of this and more in this incredible conversation with a human being whose wonderful story of healing is still being written. And all of it, all of it is brought to you today by DesertTigerMerch.com because that's where you go to copy yourself something from the show to rep it everywhere you go. We're actually getting super low on hats and toques right now and we need to order in some more. We're also getting super low on like smalls and mediums and pretty much every item we have. So if that's your size and you want it, get on it. All right. That's like I said, DesertTigerMerch.com! And now, now it's time for us to play that powerful acoustic version of this track that continues to see Chin and Jetty heal with the power of music. This is Falling. Nobody knows what you've been through, your point of view, living in your head, trying to wake the dead, but they'll come for you, it's up for you to choose. Falling, 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 falling 
There you go. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you for this. No worries. It's is a very small request, and I do enjoy the uh, personal uh, connection that being able to see a face adds. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So let's begin. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, first off, I just have to say I am a giant fan. I just watched your TED Talk. Before we were supposed to start, and I mean that it always has me in tears. Your message is just so beautiful. Thank you, brother. It means the world to me. Thank you. No worries. All right. So of course we're connecting today to talk about the acoustic version of your single "Falling," which definitely seems to have a very strong connection to healing totally. through music, which has been a motif through your life. So I maybe wanna. Give the audience a little bit of a back around in your world, in this world, healing through music, your experiences, some of how it's helped you. So, as a young child, you were born with polio. You had a lot of restrictions, a lot of difficulties, but music was something that helped you learn and grow. I mean, as you were singing and three different languages at a very young age, but it maybe also gave you the passion to get through these experiences, to make it to the ability to create. So what are some of your earliest memories with music? And what about it, what about music therapy do you feel helped you get through some of these things? My earliest memory of music was that it was freeing. You know, you couldn't contain it in a box. It was like, it was like, um, 
it was like there was no restrictions, you know? There was you weren't confined. So that translated into music therapy because that same uh that same outlook helped me get over not being able to balance or stand or having dexterity in my hands or strength. Like the, you just concentrated on the sound, the feeling, the, the, sometimes the message, you know, so it, it is healing on so many levels on a physical level and a spiritual level. It really shows. So it sort of allowed you to journey without maybe having the actual ability to do so. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so at what point did you begin music therapy? Was it after you came to Canada and Toronto? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was about seven or eight, before it was like a big practice in North America even. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So was it something that a doctor had suggested? Had your parents tried multiple different methods at this point, and this was just something that was available? You know what, I can't, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I was living in a, a rehab hospital, and at the rehab hospital, one of the teachers practiced it. I just thought it was music class, you know? Yeah. And now she's the person. Her name is Fran Herman, and she's the person who uh, you know, who started the Music Therapy Trust Fund. Oh, wow. It's called Music Heals. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's something I kind of maybe want to get into later on, so we'll get there. So... Your first introduction into the music business comes with the group Bass is Bass, which, yeah. as a bass player, I love the name. <laughs> but of course, you mentioned your mobility issues. So at what point were you actually capable of picking up a bass and being able to uh, lay down some lines? Honestly, it, it was one of the... I just have this thing with instruments. I know how to get sound. I know how to get some uh, sound out of them, right? Yeah. And I know I can almost be musical on most anything. I'm not saying I'm profound or anything, but I could. I, I'm able to make noise out of anything, right? And but for some reason, the bass spoke to me. I was able to do more than just make some noise on it. I was able to uh, express myself through it. So. I don't know if that helps what I'm saying, but this is one of those things that just came naturally. I don't know. I can't, can't explain it. And even saying that, I'm not saying that I'm like the most proficient bass player or anything, but it's, 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 it's an extension of me for sure. Yeah, for sure. Can, can I, um, are you, you're going to edit this later or how does this work? Yes, absolutely. Okay, can, I, can I ask you a favor? Oh, go right um, ahead. And I mean this in the kindest way. Can we not talk about my disability as much? Oh, um, yeah, okay? absolutely. I'm I, I so just, sorry. I, no, 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 don't be sorry. I would love to tell you, and I will. we can continue to talk about it, but it's just that I really would like to talk about the music and how I feel about what's going on in life. And, and, and what happens yeah. a lot to me is that people just focus on my disability. Okay, and, okay. I, I understand that. I, I would love to talk about it in a empowering and and healing way for people is that okay yes i mean see i wanted to avoid the songwriting for other people part because i felt that's what other people would be focusing on more so we can focus more on songwriting and the art and we could do both we could do both 
I just want to make sure that they both weave. I just, I just sometimes I do a lot of this, right, bro? Yeah. And and sometimes what happens is it just turns into a medical report. Okay. Hey, no worries. I want to illuminate yeah. you. So please allow me allow me to know what the best way to do it. That is. means so much to me. Thank you. I didn't mean any um, offense by you're wonderful. You're doing a great job. <laughs> No worries. No offense taken. I understand. I've been a musician. I've been interviewed. I know how the focus of things can shift from where maybe we want to focus. Yeah. I mean, even I've actually asked, I mean, it's my, it's part of me. It's part of my story. So sometimes I wish it wasn't in my bio. You know, I've done a lot of incredible things in my life that deserve more focus than that sometimes, you know, but anyways, let's, let's keep it moving. Thank you. All right. Yes. Yes, please. Let's move forward from here. So, of course, speaking about base of base, it was a very different time in the music industry back then. Being able to release records, CDs were still a thing, and you got to repress your own CD, yeah. DIY release, recorded in a studio that your family built. Yeah. So your family was still definitely a giant connection absolutely inside of this world helping you to grow so coming out of base of base out of that music playing world Mm -hmm. was production a very easy transition because you had time inside of studio did you have some time finding a little bit of a self-identity what was it like sort of making this transition since you already had a foot in the door kind of you know what? It, it was in my, I was around producers all my life. And my biggest mentors are listeners more than musicians. So my biggest mentors and my biggest influences, excuse me, yeah. are, are uh, like DJs and producers, right? And I just happened to be around incredible musicians as well. But I found my place in, in, the, in the harmonic playing. I knew that at one time, you know, I was like, you know, I was the guy who was like on the guitar all the time on the <laughs> slap and I was slap happy and I wanted to be the funkiest and the busiest and the greatest and blah, blah, blah. But then I, when I met certain producers, I, I learned that, you know, playing music is really about expression more than an impression, you know? Uh-huh. Wow. So when I, when my dad built my studio, which was really basic, I already had that mindset and that my 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 favorite DJs were in Toronto and my friends would come to the studio and they would bring vinyl and we would go through vinyl and sample the, the break that we wanted and the things that we wanted. So that really like um, that helped. I went into it prepared, I think. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So producing for other people, was that something that you sort of started to focus on more once you were in Vancouver and in the West Coast, or did you start to do that in Toronto as well? No, it started in Toronto. I just didn't call it production. I didn't know that I was producing, right? (laughs) And then when I came here and the group broke up and I had to reinvent myself and figure out what I wanted to do, I realized that like, I really like making people sound good and I like to listen to what they want and try to get the best out of people. And I never, even then, I never called myself a producer. This is what happened, and now I wear it with pride. You know, it took me a long time. I'm like, oh, my God, what an honor, you know? 
Yeah. So, yeah. So now it's just a, it's it's a job, and I love it, and it has so many facets to it. You know, now in this day and age, a producer can actually put out a song as well. So here I am. Yeah, it's all continuing to move forward and be on all sorts of the coin of all sorts of this music business, which has become yeah. more of a possibility and a reality in the last decade for sure. Yeah, man. Absolutely. At what point do you can end up connecting with different people, other producers like DJ Khalil and others of those big producing partners that you ended up working with, those songwriting partners that helped you grow into this world of production, of expression? My manager, my manager, he came, before he was my manager, he came to my, he came to Vancouver. We hit it off and it worked. And then I went to LA and he introduced me to Khalil because he was managing Khalil as well. And the rest is history. Okay, so at what point was this? Mid-2000. Okay, so this would have been after you released your first solo record in 2001. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Okay. I'm terrible with timelines. (laughs) No worries. People ask me about timelines every day, but yes. Okay, so taking a moment to focus on that first album that you released in 2001, Daydreaming. What did that moment mean to you to finally release that first solo record? Oh my god. <laughs> wow, you're taking me back. I looking back at it, it was just a learning experience. Like I listened to that record and I'm like, oh God. And I think we're all it's okay for all of us all of us to have that record, right? <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to make those good records, bad records. And I'm still proud of it. I made it with a friend of mine named David Kershaw. And what I learned during that record is like to trust my own instincts. You know, and because I didn't do that in that record, I was just following what I thought I should do. And even like the actual sonic part of the record in my heart, I already knew what it should sound like, but I listened to somebody else and, and that somebody else is wonderful too. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's a, it was a learning experience. It was my first endeavor. And at that point I knew, okay, you know what? I'm not cut out for this artist shit. Like I don't want to be in front of (laughs) it. You know, no, I don't want to do that. And and my my ego's in check. Like I know, I know why why I work and why I don't. You know, I'm not. I don't have that. I don't have that thing that star power is made of. And and I don't think I want it even. I just want to. I just want to be create. I want to create and be heard. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't need. I'm not even tripping on. Got to be known and got to be adored and got to be. You know, I don't want those pressures. And and I'm just not interested in it. So that's what I learned. I learned what I where I wanted to go. Well, and a lot of those things typically take away from the time it takes to create and yeah. being a songwriter. Yeah. Okay, so you would say that maybe daydreaming was a bit of the, uh, maybe more impression than it was expression. No, I would say daydreaming was me trying to, yeah, impress, you're right. Okay. So producing definitely helped you grow, not only as an expressor yourself, but allowed yeah. you to help other people express. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Okay. All right. So after having some of that success of producing with Khalil and being able to win a Grammy and being able to pick who you work with and everything else, you... you 
began to work on some of your own music again as well. So what is it like to sort of balance all of those things at that time? It's a learning experience. It just, it, 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 um, it taught me that everything has a place and, and a time. There's a time to be the, an, art, an artist. There's a time to uh, be a facilitator. There's a time to be a mentor. There's a time to be a student. And once you get that in check and there's a balance that comes with it, then everything happens how it's supposed to, you know? So I have to ask, so as someone who had come from India to Canada, who had faced a lot of adversity coming this way, to have the opportunity to not only win, but even just be nominated for multiple Grammys, what was it like to add your name to some of those artists that I'm sure you had listened to growing up? You know, as a kid, when you dream about it, like when you figure out you want to do music, those are the things you aspire to. Those, that's what you want to do. And and we came here from India, as you mentioned, because I was sick, you know, because I had polio. And I, we came here for medical attention. And once I got better, my mom and dad were just like, yo, we came here for you, not your brother or your sister, but for you. So you could be and do whatever you want, be whoever you want and do whatever you want. So I followed that dream and my mom and dad were okay with it. And all the, the whole time, you know, you grow up watching the Grammys and this award show and that award show and Michael Jackson and Prince and, and Bowie. And you watch all that stuff on TV thinking I want to do that one day. And the next thing, you know, you're practicing and next thing, you know, you're doing it. And once you're doing it, you, it just felt it felt that that's how it was supposed to happen, you know? I didn't think, like, I'm so grateful for those things. Like, come on, that's amazing. Three Grammys, that's amazing. Jewels and whatever, whatever, whatever. But if I'm not, if I don't win those, I'm okay also, you know? Mm-hmm. If yeah. I don't get nominated, I'm okay also. I'm just, everything's a blessing, man. God, God navigated my life to where it is. And I just, just want to keep moving and hearing him, hearing his voice and, moving with that, not to get all preachy. And I'm not trying to be preachy. It's just that that's my navigator, you know? (laughs) Hey, everybody has sort of a voice that guides them. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're not causing harm to other people and you're spreading the message of love, hey, more power to you. Thank you. Keep it.
the Desert Tiger Podcast. How about with your parents? I mean, having given quite a bit for you, moving you to Canada, mm-hmm. telling you to take these opportunities, seeing that you have these opportunities. Yes. So for them to finally see you mm-hmm. have that success, what would you say it was like for them? I think it was a big change, but at the same time, like these are people that give up everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what you do for your kids. And that's what I'm doing for my kids. You know, you just do the best you can for them. I think they were just doing what they felt par- a parent should do. Mm. So, as a father, how old are your children? 17 and 15. Actually, 17 and 14. 17 and 14, yeah. Okay. So, how do you feel that father has helped influence your journey as a musician and vice versa. Uh, it teaches you to be selfless. It teaches you to be a nurturer. It teaches you to really think about the big picture rather than your own picture. Mm, yeah. Good answer. I like that. I like that a lot. So coming back into 2010, 2011, you do detach, mm-hmm. retach. So coming back into your own music 10 years later, mm-hmm. sort of maybe the first time you go into the world of expression now. So what do you say those albums maybe meant to you as an artist? Um, it was a real, that time in my life, my dad was in the hospital and he was dying. And I just made a record to Simple Life Down. So I... Um, just express where I was at the time. I wrote songs called like In the End and Who I Am and, you know, just talking about who I am mm-hmm. and where I'm at. And funny enough, the song that I put out now, 10 years later or whatever it is, is me dealing with my dad's death. It's like a bird's eye view about all the things that I did right and wrong or whatever happened, right? Yeah. So that's what that was. That's where it was the beginning of my impressionism. I'm in expressionism, you know? Yeah. In 2014, you released The Reverb. Definitely much more tapping into some of that music that you talked about earlier, those (laughs) early influences like Michael Jackson, Prince, that funk and R&B sound. (laughs) So (laughs) what does The Reverb reflect for you as an expressionist? Have fun. To discover my gift, to give discover, you know, what's around me, learning new instruments, learning new ways to produce. It was just a growth. It was a good growth period for me. Yeah. Again, I don't think I've ever made, I've never made a record that I like yet. There's bits and pieces of every record that, that I enjoy, but um, I've never made the record I want to. Yeah, you know what I love? I love making songs more than records in the present time. And I just find it more fulfilling. There's less pressure and I could talk about something that I'm feeling in the moment. And that's more important to me than making a body of work that's fragmented and and pressure-filled. Okay, is that why you've sort of moved more to the single release style that you're doing right now? Yeah, yes. I, I I mean, I'm working towards finishing a, a body of work, but I'm introducing it in pieces. 
Okay, so each piece has their own little individual moment to shine in the light then. A- absolutely. Yes. I like it. I like it. Awesome. So let's talk about some of this latest music here. Some of these latest things that you've been doing. Okay. So some of these latest singles with Falling. Falling originally <laughs> released in April of 2020 <laughs> here. So that's the beginning of the pandemic. Did you have this song sort of crafted before the world shut down? I did. I did. And it came out when it did. And, you know, sadly enough, it didn't get the shot that I wanted it to get. Right? Yeah. But that's okay, though. That's okay, because everything happens for a reason. And then when I made this version of it, I realized something. Wow, this is what the song really wants to be. The song, I think the song wanted it to be an acoustic song. You know what I mean? No, I can feel that for sure. I can understand it. It's... It's got a lot more of a uh, more powerful vibe, especially with the uh, assistance from yeah. the uh, friends like Taryn and Estera. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So was it just a natural decision? Did it just the acoustic version just flow out of you? It was natural, yes. I was sitting in my mom's house where I was kind of stranded for three, three months there during the beginning of COVID. And in that house... There is so much of my dad's energy there, his books, his poems, his his everything, his songs, and that just made sense to write about it. Does that make sense? Yes, it definitely does, being surrounded by these memories, because I was wondering what sort of brought on the influence of this song 10 years later, so it was being surrounded by these memories. Yeah, there's something that had to happen. Uh huh. So you spent some time with your mom at the beginning of the pandemic. What was it like to sort of be back under the same roof as your mom after sort of years of being independent on your own? It's a little practice in the beginning, <laughs> but otherwise it's fine. It was great. It was great. I'll never get that time back again. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for it. Did it allow you and inspire you to write any other songs? Yes, sir. All right. Exciting. I like it. So what else has the pandemic allowed you to do? Maybe now that you're back home in Vancouver, spending time with your family, probably traveling a lot less. Yeah, it's really nice to to reconnect with my family. It's, it's really nice to just have the bubble and create with the people I only want to create with and, and the people that don't create with me that I want to create with. I know I'm not meant to do that, you know, so it's good. Awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned that continuing to create with new people. So you mentor, you teach mm-hmm. through Nimbus and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You recently did a panel with Breakout West mm-hmm. with their home edition. So what yeah. has it been like to continue to pass on the importance of expressing oneself inside this musical journey? Well, sometimes I think of it like... Um, I wish I had the same, I wish I had mentors growing up. A lot of times my generation was afraid to share. They didn't want anyone to be on top. 
other than themselves or lots of fear-based stuff but this gen new generation my kids generation probably your generation Mm -hmm. um you guys have figured it out and thank god because that's who i am it's like i'm i'm old but i live in this my soul is so young and i'm learning like the things that i feel is what your generation is practicing so it feels natural to just share freely yeah unconditionally you know it feels good to want other people to win it feels good for to watch other people ex- mm-hmm. succeed you know and and to me the way i look at it is rock and roll music that is created by the young for the young and the minute you don't relate you could do two things you could try to be young and make a fool of yourself or you could gracefully bow out and facilitate that or usher in the new creatives right and i would like to think i'm more on that side of things yeah all right i like it i love that energy that vibe so from a creative perspective since music production and everything else has grown over the last decade has your creative process shifted very much always it's different for everyone i work with all the time it's different each time okay so for example say like with ja and evil ebenezer they just came in they said what they wanted to write about they gave me the gave me an idea and i just kind of conjured something up and it, it it worked for them really really lovely guys ah great guys for sure all right so what else does chin and jetty have going on right now besides influencing mentoring the younger musicians at breakout west you mentioned you were possibly moving on a movie soundtrack yeah i can't really talk about that but i'm working with the member of destiny's child oh. and and there's so i could say that but also i'm working with an incredible group in toronto called moscow apartment I'm working with an amazing singer named Thaddeus Crooks. I'm working just with all the people I want to work with. Adria, another incredible artist named Adria Kane. And I'm doing A&R for uh, a label out of Toronto called Art House. And I'm putting together right now the very first ever uh, music compilation of only black artists in the West Coast. It's never been done. And the collection of music is unbelievable. It's like not just a compilation. It's a great record. Ooh, all right. I like that. A, very stoked to hear it. B, the fact it hasn't been done yet. Well, it's about time. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. It's the reality that we live in, right? We, we just never paid attention to it. And now it took the world to shut down and some horrendous things to happen. And I'm hoping like after the black music thing, we could do something for the native community and so forth and so on, right? Hey, all right. Continue to be the change that you wish to see within the world. Exactly. I like it. I like it. So, like you say, trying to be the change that you wish to see as an artist, as a writer, as a producer. You've been working at this game, I mean, well, since 1993, 1994. So, a lot of opportunity to grow obviously we've been talking about your growth as a musician over this period but i want to know how do you feel that releasing music how releasing other artists release their music how has it allowed you to grow as a 
human being, as a spiritual being. Again, it's the same thing I said uh, about being a parent. It um, it really, it really helps me like to be selfless. You know, yeah. It, it, it takes a lot of work for a creative person to look outside themselves. Like we're the most selfish creatures. Us and children are the most selfish creatures on the planet because everything's about us. We want to be seen. We want to be heard just like a child. And then when you step into this other zone where like, you're like, I want to hear other people succeed. I want to hear other people's genius come to into fruition. You know, it's a great thing. And that's what it is for me. Oh, wow. Awesome. I love it. I'm very glad that you've reached this point and that you're continuing to help new artists thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ah, no. Thank you so much for taking this time to join us, to tell us about your journey as a musician, your growth, your new music, how it's helping you continue to express and grow and heal with music. Oh, bro. Bro, it, it's an honor, and uh, thank you so much. And you know what I was thinking? Feel free to put anything you want, even the part when I asked you if you, we cannot talk about my disability. Really? Put it in the podcast. I don't care. Oh, wow. But, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, think, I think it's honest, and I think it's just, just be authentic. It's okay. It's not a, it's a, this isn't a show that we're putting on, right? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah, please do that. Do that. I would like thank for you, you to do that. I will definitely okay. do that then. Thank you. Bro, it's a pleasure. God bless you. It truly was a pleasure, and I hope that you, the Ambush, have enjoyed this conversation with Chin and Jetty. During today's episode, we played two of Chin's songs for you. Of course, the latest acoustic single of his track, Falling as well as his track Sirius. You can find both of these tracks on your favorite music streaming service right now. And you definitely should. In fact, I want you to. I want to see this acoustic version of Falling get so many more streams than the first one. It's already surpassed. It's already passed the original version of Falling on Spotify, but I want to see this doubled. I want to see this tripled ambush. I'm putting it on you. I'm putting it on you, the loyal, dedicated ambush, to go and show Chin and Jetty some love. Alright, and with that being said, it is time that I gave Chin and Jetty my final roaring DTP. Thank you for joining me here today. And the person I have to thank for making it a possibility is the wonderful Eric Alper for once again believing in me, believing in the ambush, believing in the Desert Tiger podcast, giving us these wonderful opportunities to speak with incredible creators with giant hearts such as Chin and Jetty. And last but not least, the final roaring DTB thank you goes to you, the ambush. Yes, you guys know I love you. You guys know I got mad love because you guys tune into the show every single week and you continue to grow. And with that being mentioned, if you haven't joined the ambush, it's super easy. 
it's as easy as hitting subscribe on the podcast platform that you are currently listening on. It's as easy as giving the show a big old five star review. It's as easy as sharing this episode on your social media and tagging me, Chin and Jetty, or the Desert Tiger podcast when you do so. It's as easy as heading on over to DesertTigerMerch.com and copying yourself something so that you can rep the show every single place that you go. All right, you guys, this Friday on the show, we're actually doing two episodes. Yeah, that's right. Three episodes this week, this Friday on the show, we're going to be releasing one episode featuring the return of the wonderful Sanjay Saran of Delhi to Dublin as we talk about his solo project, Sanju. And then in the other episode, I am joined by the talented Josh Sahunta as we talk about his contest winning track Leave Summer Behind. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait for you to join me then. So until then. You know what it is. I want you to go out and find your oasis, to find your mountaintop, whatever that happens to be, the thing that makes your heart sing to its fullest capacity. Take that thing, craft it, and mold it, and sing out your glory across the canyon across the waterfront allow the beauty of what you have created to truly shine just like you yourself should as well because deep down you too are truly a beautiful being and i believe that with all my heart and we don't hear it enough some days so i'm gonna repeat it you are a beautiful being And until next episode, the next two episodes that drop this Friday. Bye-bye. And keep your roar strong.